We talk about business and Christian business quite a lot here on the podcast. And the reason is because it's not enough to be a business owner who believes or has faith. There's a higher level, a higher plane that we're supposed to operate on and function on. And if we haven't realized that or we haven't got there yet, we're missing out on being the best version that we can be of our business. And today, I'm chatting with a guy called Dave Charlson. And I had so much fun with Dave because he gets this. He gets this idea of bringing heaven into our business, of living out an authentic Christian business. And before you think, Mike, you're just being all crazy, airy fairy. This isn't an episode for me. Look, give it a chance. Listen to what my man Dave has to say. Because if you love Jesus and you are an entrepreneur or a business owner, or you're helping and supporting a business owner or entrepreneur who loves Jesus, you need to hear some of the things we're talking about right now. This is crucial for us to change the game, to move the needle and to position our businesses as something different. The world needs different. We can't just do it the same way everyone else is doing it. We can't just be the same as everybody else is being. And so that's why I had so much fun with Dave, because we just nail through some great concepts, some ideas of being vulnerable, of being transparent, of how we approach things, being honest. And I know you're going to enjoy it. So here we go. Listen to my man, Dave. Number one, what's your favorite food? Favorite food... Uh, shoot, I gotta be honest, it's it's a In-N-Out hamburger from, from In-N-Out. Okay, you're my second burger guy today. Yeah. So that's interesting. And I just So we just got an In-N-Out close to where I live, about 20, 25 minutes away. Well, maybe a little further than that, but in Houston, 30 minutes is close. And uh, my wife and I went there literally last week and uh, and had a burger, so. Brilliant, okay. Yeah. If, if, if you didn't grow up with it, I don't think it's anything that's that fantastic, but it, because it's something I grew up with, it has a lot of memory attached to it. So it's, it's an okay burger. That's why I was hesitant. I'm like, oh, there's so many things I like better, but that's still the one that is stuck with me. You know what wins it for me is the simplicity of walking in and I don't have to think about the menu. I don't have to right. stand there for five minutes figuring out, you know, do I feel like a Big Mac today or a quarter pounder with cheese or this new chicken, whatever. It's just like, do you want... Do you want a single or a double and draw right. some cheese on it? Like just, okay, you, that's it. I don't need to make more decisions. I'm frazzled at nine o'clock at night. Just yeah. give me some food. Yes. All right. Number two, favorite book in the past year? I'm going to say Humankind. But the, the premise of the book is, you know, are humans inherently evil or is there some inherent goodness? And it's, it's, it's it, it covers history and sociology and it's a very very thick read, but it's been, it's been the most thought-provoking book I've read, read in a long time. All right, Humankind, I'll check it out. Number three, favorite movie ever? Goodwill Hunting, Matt Damon and Robert okay. Williams. All right, I like it. First time we've had that one come up. Uh, number four, favorite thing to do? Favorite thing to do is sit on the patio with my wife for hours on end and just talk about whatever, or with our friends. Patio time is what we call it. And you can do that in Redding, California, because you don't have 100% humidity for half the year like we do in Houston. So <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. We can do that. I think that would be my favorite thing too, you know, sometimes. <laughs> but right now, we don't know what's going on. So it was freezing 32 degrees last night, and it's 72 right now, and I'm warming up. So anyway, number five, best single piece of advice you've ever been given? I think it was by my friend Andy Mason. And we were, we were at a, we were, we were on a mission trip and we were out ministering to a business and just doing all this crazy stuff. And it was just this peak moment. And, and a lot of people were getting touched by what we were doing and the teaching. And it was just, 
and we shared a room and I laid down. I'm like, man, this is, this is life. This is amazing. And Andy turned to me and goes, Hey Dave, don't forget. This isn't real life. He goes, real life happens when we get home and we're raising our kids and we're with our wives. He goes, this, this peak moment, it's awesome, but it's, it's not the real stuff. Um, and, and he, and, and, and it just resonated. And, and since then I've heard stories of people that just go, they just become itinerant ministers and they just kind of destroy their life because they forget to stay grounded. So I think that was probably the best advice I've ever been given is that, that's that good idea, advice. this isn't real life. This, this, this is not, it's real, but it's not the real, real, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. These people that don't know us and we may never see again that we're impacting aren't where the real stuff happens. This is, this is an overflow of our real life. This isn't real life. Okay. This is deep for like five minutes in on the Mike Thacker show. So I'm pretty <laughs> impressed here. Okay. I think we're going to be in for a juicy session. Now, Dave, cool. I know that you are known as the king of kitty litter, but we're not going to talk about that so much today. Great. Dave, you've been involved with Heaven in Business for about a decade or so now out of Redding, California, correct? Correct. Yeah. And for those of you listening who don't know, aren't familiar with that, you can go check them out online. You can follow them on social. I've followed them for quite a while. Um, this is a ministry that, that kind of rolled out from a church called Bethel Church, which was, um, I think, still is led by Bill Johnson. Um, correct. Assuming it is still Bill, yeah. And we had a guest on the show a little while ago who is now a friend of mine, uh, Stephen De Silva, who used to be uh, part of the team, I think, out at Bethel as well. So if you haven't listened to the, that episode, go check it out. But uh, it looks like we're getting some interesting connections. Strangely, Stephen didn't connect us, so it was someone else. But um, tell, us about, tell us about the ministry. Tell us about the work that it's doing. Tell us about, I guess, the heart behind it, because this is a, a topic that's so, so close to our hearts here on the show. And, and this is what I really want to dig into a little bit more. So, Well, to be clear, I would say I'm a child that was kind of, incubated in heaven and business. Um, and so I feel like I could be the poster boy for heaven and business. And um, so the way I got introduced was um, I was having the king of cat litter story that was just blowing up. And I felt like something was happening. And I, you, you ever stumble on something that God's doing and it's so massive and there's so many epiphanies that you almost feel alone in it. Like, am I the only person that is beginning to see my, my business world and my faith world begin to just melt into each other? And right. I can't tell the difference right now between am I ministering or am I working or what am I doing? Am I at church? All my worlds. just And so all this was happening. And I came back here to Reading. I was traveling a lot on the road and a guy named Kevin Shorter uh, was at a men's retreat. And, and he's like, so what's going on with you? And I just it was like a weekend retreat. And I just kind of spilled the beans. I'm like, I am having the most incredible epiphanies right now about the difference. Like, what is worship? What is work? I can't tell the difference. I, I, I thought I wanted to be a missionary, but now I think my business is a mission. And right. And so he goes, you need to, you need to go talk to Andy. Andy needs to hear from you immediately. And he like set us up on a blind date. And I began to tell Andy my story. And he goes, I want to write about you in my book. I'm, I'm, I'm writing a book. I'm going to put you in chapter one. Uh, I want you to come to my next retreat gratis and just release everything that is in you. Just, you're going to have full reign, just release it any way you want. And so it, and then I got, I, I began to get involved in kind of the leadership meetings. So really it was something that God was doing in me organically that just happened to match up with Andy's mission in heaven and business. And, and the, the, the mission is really simple. It's, it's to activate 
and I can expand. I don't want to speak for Andy because I'm not, I'm not officially part of that leadership team anymore. I've kind of been birthed out and sent out and have a loose connection to heaven and business, but now I'm doing my own thing. But Andy and I talk at least a couple times a month and talk and, you know, egg each other on. But, but the mission really is to, to create a place where business people begin to get that that you know the the Hebrew word for for worship and work are is the same word. So it's it's the idea of we've siloed ourselves, and in some ways, business people in church environments are 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 in a way kind of second class citizens. It's like well, if you're not if you're not the pastor or the worship leader, we we could use your business advice and a little bit of your money, and that's about it. Um, but really, the real actions actually, I believe you know, you're coming to the church to get equipped and the real action is happening out in the business world. Absolutely. The idea is to activate, you know, a million people to, to just kind of have that simple epiphany. Um, but our brains and, and the way, even the way I think today, after 10 years of being immersed in that, I still silo all the time. It's like, okay, you know, Sunday morning, let's go to church. Um, Monday morning, let's, let's, let's armor up and get ready for battle. Well, right. my business colleagues aren't my enemy. And, you know, and church isn't like Monday to me is like the beginning of church. You know, it's like, let's, let's see what God has. Like what moment is going to, am I all of a sudden going to have that, that melt mind melt happen where I don't think of, of work life and ministry life as separate. That's, that's incredible. I've been on that, that same kind of journey for a number of years. And for me, when I started out, I didn't know about groups like having in ministry uh, faith-driven entrepreneur, kingdom at work, some of these other groups that have, I think are a little bit, little bit newer actually. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it's interesting now that there are so many more voices becoming apparent because I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. So my book that, that will be out by the time this episode airs is exactly about this concept of, of this fusion of, of business and ministry and, and seeing, seeing your business as the field of, of mission, the, the marketplace, right? Where we are, yeah. that's, that's us going out into the field and playing the game. And, and that's what God wants and expects. He didn't need us sat in the bleachers, you know, watching someone else doing the spectator Christianity thing. He's, right. he's calling us to do that. And he's calling us and expecting us to use our business, to use our resources, staffing, you know, relationships, not just, not just capital, everything that we've got access to, to impact, you know, his kingdom and to touch lives for his benefit, as well as obviously running the core day-to-day -day business of what we're doing. So, it, it was fascinating to me when I came across um, Bethel and what they were doing, you know, with this ministry and, and it's as, as Lord Providence, you know, God would have it, you know, we've got connected here as well. What do you think is the biggest stumbling block for the entrepreneur who claims to be a Christian, claims to have faith, not connecting the dots? Like, why do you think we've ended up in a place where we feel like a second class citizen because we have a business and we go to work? And we're not doing the ministry like in that traditional sense. Well, I mean, there's a lot of answers I could give to that. I'd like to go to the root. I think the root of that is that we don't understand that work is worship. So if you start there, meaning like I was at a trade show once and I, I used to kind of despise trade shows. There was so much fakeness and glad handing and posing and who's got the bigger booth and who's got the shinier whatever i mean there's a lot of that and i remember taking a break and walking around and looking around and i felt like god stopped me and said look at all my children worshiping me right now i love this 
And it was in complete contrast to my judgment that I was having over myself and everybody else there. And God said, I want you to begin to see things through my eyes and let people know that they're worshiping me right now. So to start with, when I send an email, that can be an act of worship. That can be just as pious and just as pure as me raising my hands or singing a hymn or whichever way that I like to express my thankfulness and to try to find unity with God. I can do that while I'm writing an email because the person I'm writing an email to is a child of God. So am I. God is right there in that email. What if I go into a worship space and it shapes my email in a way that, that brings glory. I mean, to, to boil it down to like the most fundamental thing we do on a daily basis. It's like, I try to keep that posture, that, that, that sense of awe and childlike wonder in each moment. And when I do that, it, it's transformed my daily work life. It's, it's not, I'm going to dedicate 30 minutes and, and have a voluntary prayer meeting for my, myself and my staff, or we can do fellowship. It's like, no, it's, it's minute by minute. It's, it's a posture. It's a, you know, when you do that, it begins to remove the silos and the, and the compartmentalization. Interesting. So as you obviously have been living out this journey as a, as a faith, you know, based entrepreneur, faith-driven entrepreneur, whatever you want to kind of call it, and you've been around others who are also trying to figure out the same. It's interesting that you use this phrase, you know, Monday morning is coming, let's get the armor on. Yeah. So I, I, I talk a little bit about spiritual warfare for the entrepreneur um, in my book. And I, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about that. In fact, I don't actually think I've heard anybody really talk about it. So you've piqued my interest here. Let's dig a little deeper into that. You know, where does that come from? What do, what do you see in that respect when you, when you say something like that? So I think for most entrepreneurs, professional performance is a form of self-protection. It's, it's you know, there's an idea that that it's us versus the world. It's, you know, the world is this and I as a Christian am in this. And so there's this, and a lot of us that are entrepreneurs, myself included, the way that I have abuse in my past. So the way that I distanced myself from that abuse was becoming a really good performer. Um, But in order to be whole and be healed, I have to have, like, I understand spirit. I'm not talking about spiritual warfare right now. I'm talking about this, this idea that the world doesn't understand the, the, the world's a, a, a very shrewd place. I've got, to, I've got to be sharp. I've got to be, I've got to have kind of like a work persona that I put on that is contrary to who I might be at church or contrary to who I might be at home with my family. God is my protector. So why, why am I suiting up and putting on this persona um, childlikeness is a extremely winsome way to be in business um, it, it, and vulnerability. Um, and it doesn't mean that you, that you're not shrewd. It doesn't mean you're not strategic. It doesn't mean that you just, but what it does mean is it's a posture of, I don't, I don't have anything to defend. I, God is my defender. I am going to take a posture right now of true vulnerability and transparency and, and and it takes courage to do that because it's it's laying down your own kind of default self-protective mechanisms that you're not even aware that you're doing it. They're, 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 as soon as God opened my eyes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a self-protective machine. I, 
I've stopped so much life flow from happening in my business because I'm constantly putting on this self-protective persona. One way I can do it is I, I call them amazing, Dave. I'm like, I'm just amazing. And let me show you all the ways that my company and myself are amazing, which is great. But when it's overdone, it, it removes authenticity from, from the picture. It's like, yes, we're amazing and we're struggling in some ways. And here's the ways that we're amazing, I think, can help you. And here's some areas that as we partner with you, you need to be aware of. Like, that's a different presentation than we're just amazing. And, and wait till you see how unamazing we are when we're three months into this deal. <laughs> yeah. But as, as entrepreneurs, obviously, so many of us get to that kind of self-protective state because of, because of the journey we've had, right? You know, yes. the battle scars, the stories and, and, and everything else. So how, how do you think, or what would you say to someone who's maybe resonating with, with what they're hearing here as a way of what are, the, what, what are the steps they can take to start realizing that that's the case and then also making changes? Yeah. So all this comes from usually a sense of I'm not enough or I'm too much. So the self-protection always stems from shame. Shame says you're either too much or not enough, right? Right. So there's a really, I would say, you know, and God invites us to be revealed. He says that, that all of creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. So there's this revealing that God wants to do. So number one, I would say, ask God, God, how do I hide each day? How am I hiding from you? How am I hiding from others? And how am I hiding from myself? And so the opposite of that is God revealing. So if you just ask those three questions in prayer, like, God, how do I hide? It's a, it's a courageous thing to ask. And he's usually happy to show you. Like, how, how, there's a great quote. I forget who said it. He said, when you meet a man or a woman, all you really meet is an elaborate fig leaf. It's, it's, and we all have them. Like it's, it's like, I, I don't know this person. I don't know if I can trust him. I'm going to show him this. And I know that it, this little leaf that I have kind of keeps me safe. Right. So the, the, the counter to that, the counter to hiding in the way is, is healthy vulnerability. It's healthy vulnerability. Now, in a situation where you have no idea whether someone's for you, against you, it's a brand new relationship, healthy vulnerability might just look like being really careful about what you share, being very cards close to the chest, but you can still have a posture in your heart of, I'm going to be open to this person and I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment and I'm just going to stay in an open, vulnerable posture with this person. And people can feel that, right? And the interesting thing is when you do that, you usually, because people instinctually do want to be seen and known, usually it changes the interaction and you end up getting faster to a place of trust or a place of, hey, we're not a fit for each other. So healthy vulnerability doesn't mean you have to say a bunch of things out of your mouth that, you know, that's unhealthy vulnerability. Right. But with people that you've gone deep with, that you're in, healthy vulnerability can look like hey, the, re the real reason why you haven't gotten that project from me, the real reason why you don't have a quote from me yet is because I've got something going on at home and it's taking me longer than I want and I'm really sorry and I don't want, that's, that's not something that I'm trying to use as an excuse, but it is a real thing that's happening and um, here's a realistic time I can get that to you versus puffing yourself up and going, man, I'm so slammed. You know, you, like getting... When you go deeper in business with people, there's an opportunity 
to begin to to tell the truth, like the raw truth, more often. And that and 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 that can be right on the cusp of is this healthy or unhealthy. But I but I would say begin to to test that out to just to begin to to say I'm going to stop hiding and I'm going to start being more transparent and truthful, and I'm going to test out what. God, where God's telling me to be more truthful and honest and, and vulnerable. Um, and then the other thing is, is compassion. It's to extend compassion to others and to have compassion for yourself as you really are struggling through becoming more authentic as a business person. It, it requires, when I, as a recovering performance holic, I can, I've been so cruel to myself. I, I, I have powered through and crushed so many things, but when all the dust settled, I, I felt beat up. I felt disingenuous i felt unwhole so i would say to make it simple like to come out of hiding which looks like healthy vulnerability and compassion and to be real with god you know like i mean the first place to start is in your relationship with god right to get really real with him and go i'm god i'm sorry that i'm performing for you i actually just i'm gonna lay all that down and just go hey man i'm a hot mess god and then God and his wisdom can then begin to direct you who's, who it's safe to share some of that mess with if, you, if you're not used to doing that. I've oftentimes went, God, there's nobody on earth that could ever understand the depth of what I'm struggling with. And God will laugh and go, are you kidding me? Like, I'm no respecter of persons. You've, you, you, I, I basically created a self-protective shield where no one could, no one would ever understand the struggle I'm having. I mean, come on, like all humans, we're not that different from each other, right? Like I might have a particular struggle that's different than yours, but there's usually a connection between those two struggles. Yours might look different than mine. So, so yeah, it, I don't know if I'm getting to the point I'm trying to, trying to kind of make it more practical, but that's, that's what healthy vulnerability and compassion looks like. No, I think it's helpful. So in your journey, as you've, as you've gone through, and I know obviously folks can hear some of this on, on, on other podcasts and also for sure they can go read that chapter as well. But from what I've heard of your story, there were definitely clear instances where you sensed that God was speaking, nudging, guiding along the way. And I think as a faith-based entrepreneur, that's something that's very intriguing to me. I think it's, it, it's hopefully intriguing to the folks listening because it's, again, it's not something we're really taught that God's that interested in your business that he wants to actually lead and guide. You know, we kind of think of it in our life terms. Well, yeah, I'm going to pray to God about the big things. And, you know, should I get married? Should we have kids? Is this the right time? But I know for me growing up, and I grew up in church, but I don't recall anybody ever saying, you know, this is, this is applicable to your professional life too, like where you work yeah. and, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, could you give us some examples of maybe some of those big milestones and just talk us through that experience, you know, from your perspective of, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, you know, I felt like God was, God was telling me to go start a new business, right? Let's just throw that out yeah. there for argument's sake. What does that look like? I mean, even when God says that, I know, I know for me with our business, we prayed hard before we started it. We asked for some very clear confirmation because it was a great yeah. big task. It was a big commitment. I was signing my life away on a, you know, a very large lease for, for, for 10 years. And, and, you know, we, we were confident God spoke, but even when he spoke or what, there's still that doubt, man, was that really God? Like, was that really? Yeah. Cause it's not like he speaks, like I'm talking to you. I mean, it, you're looking right. for signs, you're looking for a clue. 
And it, even with all that, I wish I could say, oh, from that point on, everything was just hunky-dory. Everything was plain sailing. It was just super easy. And I never had, I never had a, a night when I didn't sleep. But it, that's not true. Like, I, I still had all of these same emotions, even though I was convinced we were on a journey that God was taking us on. And, and so I'm kind of curious to hear your, your experience. Yeah, these huge growth lessons where I, where I was thrust into learning about healthy vulnerability and coming out of hiding came, came out of desperation. Um, I was in the mortgage business for 16 years. Uh, my marriage fell apart uh, right around 2008, 2009. And all of my, all of my assets were tied up in real estate in California. My entire income was based on, on the mortgage book of business I'd built. And so there was like a two-year period around 2008 to 2010, where it was like, I couldn't, I couldn't make any money. Um, I, I, I liquidated a lot of my properties, but I, it was just like everything, no matter what I did, I, I, I was losing, I was losing my marriage, losing my career. And, and I, and I built a pretty responsible business. I I wasn't a fly by night mortgage guy. I wasn't doing weird loans. Like I was, we were, we were deeply involved. So all this, and all of a sudden nothing's working. I mean, nothing like, like marriage is looking really bad. We've got two homes in foreclosure. I'm trying everything I can do and nothing, nothing's working. And I ended up leaving that business and, and there's a whole story there. But when I started in this new business in the cat litter business, which was not, I was, I went to work for a walnut farmer and long story short is God gave me the idea for a cat litter. And as I went and, and I was given a lot of authority to go out and build this brand, which I had no experience doing, but as I was out and about, you know, you can imagine if anybody's been through divorce or, or had a death, when, when you're in one of those places where you're grieving loss and you're disoriented and, and I just had had so much loss, I completely had lo- lost the ability to do my normal performance song and dance. I was out on the road, responsible for building this brand, meeting with distributors, meeting with buyers, training salespeople on how to sell this cat litter we developed. And I, I just didn't have any energy to put on airs. I, I literally had nothing in the tank. And so I found myself being, I, I was shocked at what I would say out of my mouth, but it was like, I couldn't play pretend. And what shocked me was, here's a perfect example. I'm, I'm up in Canada. I'm meeting with the head buyer for uh, this national distributor. You know, the meeting starts and I've got my presentation and I was professional and here it all is. And in the middle of it, I share a little bit about my divorce, like just, and I share, even share a little bit about how I struggle with depression and anxiety, like, but just not, not the main point in the meeting, just, but normally I would not have shared that. I would have not, I would have, wouldn't even open my mouth about it. It would have just been, here's the meeting, would have kept all that private, but a little bit of it spilled out. And then two days later, uh, that guy emails me, he goes, Hey, can we have a private conversation? Can I, can I share some things? He goes, I've never shared this with another soul. Um, but I'm super successful, but I, I struggle with depression and anxiety on a daily basis. I'm just wondering if you have any advice for me or any, can we have like a regular talk every two weeks? Cause I have no place that I feel safe to share this in business, but for some reason I feel safe with you. Wow. And over a period of like two years during that time, when I was kind of coming out of grieving the loss of my marriage and rebuilding my life, that stuff was popping up everywhere. And I, all of a sudden when it kind of was all settled down, God started to kind of debrief me and go, this is how I advance the kingdom is through, through authenticity. You know, authenticity means of undisputed origin. 
So when I'm being authentic, I'm not, I'm not claiming that, that I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be anxious for nothing. Right. So like, it seems weird for a Christian to possibly a non-believer say, I struggle with anxiety. Well, that seems like, Hey, wait a minute. Aren't you one of those Christian people? And you know, isn't the promise, but you know, I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. And so to put that on display before people, I think is a much more authentic expression of my faith than to just quote scripture and say, I'm, I'm not anxious for anything because I'm not supposed to be anxious for anything. I learned those lessons during that time. And then I remember when that time was coming to an end and, 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 and a new life was emerging and the, and the grief was subsiding. I remember telling God, God, I don't ever want to forget this lesson. God, please never take me from this place of feeling dependent and raw. And he's honored that. Like it's been, I'm remarried. I've got, a wonderful wife. We, we're going to celebrate seven years here in a couple months. And he's answered that prayer. It's, it's be, be authentic, be, be real with God. Don't play games, you know, don't. And so, you know, one of the things I do practically in business is every, about every hour and a half to two hours, it depends. I will pause for five minutes. It's in my calendar. I just have a little five minute break. And all I do is get honest with myself and God in the middle of my workday. It's like, I've got five minutes. It's not a lot of time. I don't, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time. And I would say early when I did it, most of the time I was like, wow, I am really jacked up right now. I'm really like, just that pause. I'd be like, whoa, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like how I'm thinking. I don't like how I'm feeling. I just get real quiet. Right. And I would just take that. I go, God, this is a mess. Like I've got to start my next task in two minutes but hopefully you can, hopefully, and it's almost like throwing up a Hail Mary to God. Like it wasn't a pious thing. It was just like, get raw and real before God and let him begin to, to guide you. And, and, and prior to that, prior to that whole post-divorce kind of lesson that God taught me, I just powered through things, man. The idea of pausing for five minutes to check in with God about anything was just like, I'll do that later in my early morning time with God or in my in my men's group or in my, you know, like, that's when you do that. You don't do that in the middle of your work day. Like, right. what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to slow down. I think, especially with technology now, there's so much noise. There's so much, there's always something, right? There's just always something that, that your attention can go to. And I think as believers, I can only imagine how much more difficult this last 10, 20 years has made slowing down, stopping, just nobody makes time to think anymore. Nobody, you know, really takes time to just not be doing something, but, but to be being right. I think yeah. I had a guest on the show, he said, we're human beings, not human doings, you know, the yeah. being bits, the bit that we're struggling with here. And, and that's the bit that God wants. He wants us to be, not do. Well, and to go even a little bit deeper. So the real problem that we have is a who problem. Like there's a great speaker who I love named Simon Sinek. And he talks about businesses that that align with their why and they define their why and they and 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 it's a powerful way of doing business of like really connecting to what are we about and 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 not forgetting it and aligning with meetings and all the actions with it but but as christians the problem we have is we put on a different persona it's a who problem that we have every day and you know who i am is eternal so even if I just pause and go, okay, I'm eternal, 
So I have a question, a really disruptive question that I ask myself at least two or three times a day. I'm like, David, where are you right now? Like you asked me at the beginning of this day, where are you? And I said, I'm in Redding, California, but that that's true. But I'm also seated in heavenly places right now. And even as I just pause and consider that, it shifts me. I'm like, it makes this, this podcast go into proper perspective. This is one moment, an hour out of your life and mine, and it'll be over in a second. But you're, you existed long before this podcast. God had something intense. He had something he has intended to release through your life that's far beyond however we do on this podcast together. It, 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 so I can just disrupt myself. I go, David, where are you right now? And usually the answer is, I'm really caught up and jacked up in this one situation I've got going on that's got me really nervous. But if I, so that's part of where I'm at. But also, I'm also eternal, and this is small compared to all that. So relax, calm down, you know, or, or asking the question, when are you? When, when are you? It's a weird question, but when are you? Well, when is, it's 2, 12, 13 Pacific time on March 1st, 2022 in Redding, California. And in Houston, it's 2, 13 p.m., I think, um, right? But when am I, well, when am I I'm outside of time and space? I'm, I'm a partaker in the divine nature. I'm, time is not, time is relevant, but it's in perspective. And so there's certain, I, I call them anchors where you can, in the middle of your day, begin to just, um, and then the last example I'll give is something I call the third space. So I try to do it. There, there's science behind these Zoom meetings where it's like, there's almost like a fight or flight thing that happens when you're like, you're, you're really close up to me. I'm really close up to you. And we're just getting to know each other. So it's like, oh gosh, is Mike safe? Is he safe? I think he's safe. Am I safe? People are going to hear this, you know, like there's this kind of protective thing. But if I relax and go, okay, wait, Mike's an eternal being. I'm an eternal being. We're both loved by the Father. We both um, are easily, if we put our focus on it, able to just relax and love each other. And this is very applicable to business. This is a, what we're doing right now is business. This is something that's also worship. We're, I think we're both trying to find ways to edify each other, to bring something valuable to anybody that listens to this, which then adds to the worship. So there's this third space that I believe if you're smart, you're looking for it. It's where, if you imagine a Venn diagram, there's Mike, there's David, and then there's a whole bunch of other people listening to this that are going to listen to this, that might listen right. to this 25 years from now, right? Who knows? And there's a place where all of us overlap and the Holy Spirit, I believe, sits there and just waits for someone to put their attention on a Venn diagram is usually three circles with, and there's a place where they all overlap in the middle. And to me, that's the third space. That's the space where if one of us, if you or I or both of us tap into that and begin to let our words be guided, we're in a state of flow and worship. And all of a sudden, max value is being released. And we're actually having a worship session as we work. Wow. Maybe we could keep going on here, but I'm conscious we're going to run out of time. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a couple of final questions here. I would like to close out and, and have some consistency to give people uh, a little bit of a, a level playing field. When everything's over, what do you think you'd like to be remembered for more than anything else? Making the word flesh. And what I mean by that is the, the word is God creating things. And I, and I want to take these things that are burning in my heart and do my best to make them flesh on earth, to, to literally, and to align with my eternal self in a way that when I leave this plane of existence, there's an echo that 
something was left that has contributed to the grand orchestra that's happening. Like it just, and I had a moment like that recently where my oldest son, about two years ago, he goes, dad, I don't know what's going on with you. And, and my oldest son, I would say, calls himself an atheist, right? So I'm a believer, my oldest son's an atheist. So people would say, well, you failed as a father. I don't think so. He says, dad, I don't know what it is about you, but when you encourage me or tell me you love me, I don't know what it is, but the words go so deep into my heart and they stick there. And he goes, and there's not, no other being on earth that when he talks to me, do I feel that? And he says, and you figured out a way to get paid for being yourself. He goes, I don't know anybody else that, and so that's why I love the word authentic so much. So, you know, to sum it up in word, I just, I just hope that people go, Dave, Dave strived to be all that God made him to be. And he just never stopped until the end. Awesome. Listen, I appreciate you joining me today. If folks want to connect with you, what's the best way to, to find you online and get in touch? Yeah, davidcharlsoncoaching.com. Awesome, awesome. Well, this is the Mike Thacker Show. That was a conversation with Dave Charlson. He's been involved heavily with Heaven in Business out in Redding, California for a number of years. And actually, I have got Andy Mason, who leads up Heaven in Business, joining me for a recording here in a few days. So that episode is going to drop here in just a little while. But listen, what do you think? Shoot me some questions. Tell me, tell me what you're pondering about. Connect with me at mikethacker.com and send me an email. Join this community. Join this, this thing that's happening where more and more people are realizing we want to be authentic with our businesses and with our faith. We want to tie those two things together instead of trying to figure out more ways to separate them. We want to bring harmony into who we are as an individual, who we are in Jesus and who we are in business. And those three things, we want them to align. We don't want people to look at us and say, oh, look at the way that guy's doing business there. Oh, look at what they're doing over there. That doesn't speak at all for who I thought they were. We, we don't want to be that. I don't think you want to be that. I think most of us want the best for our businesses. We want the best for our employees and our team that help us. We want the best for our customers. That's living out our faith. That's worship to God. How we serve people, how we relate to people, how much grace we show to people and those kind of things. And that's why I'm so, so appreciative of Dave for joining me today of talking through some of these things as he's experienced this through his journey. And I've been experiencing it through my journey and you may well have been experiencing similar things in your journey. Listen, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you tuning in to the Mike Thacker Show. You know, we always want to talk about people, profit and purpose because those three Ps are what make up this show. It's a show for Christian entrepreneurs and business owners, people with a heart for Jesus, a heart for mission and a heart for their businesses and the customers they serve. Those things combined can create and make a boom for the kingdom. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you haven't read my new book yet. So go check it out. Mic drop. Do business God's way, live like a king, change the world. So much happening here with the show, with the book, just with this message. I hope you'll join me on it. I hope you'll be a part of the community. I hope you'll join the journey as we dig deeper and try and figure out more about how we can be the best entrepreneurs and business owners that we can be for Jesus. And more importantly, how we can live and walk in the path that he's laid out for us to be walking in. Because I can promise you this, he did not lay out a path for us to walk on of mediocrity, and of doing it the same as everyone else. So until next time, let's go out there and be amazing.